Thanks to Audible for sponsoring this episode of Market Foolery for a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. Go to audible.com/fool. It's Tuesday, April 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You weren't involved in any opening day outings, were you? Dan Boyd is back behind the glass. It was great to see Heather Horton yesterday, but we got Dan Boyd back behind the glass. And as I told Dan earlier in the day, I think given that he was in attendance at the Washington Nationals game and the Nationals won the game, I think Dan needs to go to every home game. He, he does go to every home game. <laughs> no, I don't no. think he goes to every home game. To every opening game. Uh, no, well, opening day for me was Sunday because that's when the Yankees started, opened the season. How'd that go? Uh, I can't remember. It's I do. So they long lost. ago. <laughs> we'll, we'll I wasn't able to watch much of it because I was at a soccer game. All right, we might get back to baseball, but let's let's talk. We got news. The news ferry is busy this week. Uh, well, let's start with uh, a couple of potential buyouts, and we'll start with Panera Bread because shares of Panera were up eight percent yesterday afternoon on the reports that Panera is exploring a sale after receiving interest. I don't know if any of these names are confirmed, but the names being mentioned as potential acquirers include Starbucks, Domino's Pizza, and JAB Holding, which is a private equity firm that we've mentioned from time to time just because JAB Holding has bought out formerly public companies like Pete's Coffee, Caribou Coffee, Krispy Kreme. They own Jimmy Choo. I'm not like you. look at the the portfolio for JAB Holding, and it's like, oh, okay, food and beverage, food and beverage, food and beverage, high end fashion. Okay, sure. Uh, first, what did you think when you saw the news yesterday that Panera was spiking up on these bios? Did you think, oh, that makes sense to me? Because I was surprised because Panera seems to be humming along quite nicely. This is not a distressed company. This is not a business that I look at and think. God, the only way they're going to survive is if someone buys them. Panera's been humming along nicely for a while. Yeah, it's not a question in this case of a stressed company, um, and I'm not sure. So it wasn't them going out and putting themselves up for sale based on what the news seems to indicate, which is maybe the JAB, which would make a lot of sense, approached them, and that then Panera may have gone and gotten somebody to see if there are any other offers out there see whether they're you know what what they might consider selling themselves for we had we hadn't been thinking about this but since but, you inquired you know, we're going to bring in some talent if, and help if, us see if anyone else wants to up the bid all offers might be on the table then there's a you know there's a price at which we'd uh, sell out this company yeah uh, and JAB has acquired a lot of coffee brands and um, Krispy Kreme as well, so they've they've got the right kind of experience and uh, cross promotional possibilities. That in the article that I read that listed, I would say in descending order of um, sense making, it was JAB and then Starbucks and then Domino's as rumored possible interested parties. Yeah, the Domino's one is a little bit of a head scratcher, uh, unless you just think of it in terms of how the deal gets structured. That's a stock that's certainly done very nicely. So that's one way for them to fund that deal, and it gets them into breakfast because I think we've all had cold pizza for breakfast at some point in our lives. But Domino's 
isn't really in the business of breakfast in the way that Panera is. Right. Well, Panera's pretty good at all three meals. Yes. And in a way that Domino's uh, will really never be. And I think that uh, it's just I don't I don't really know what to say about that one. Uh, Domino's didn't have, they had sort of a non-denial denial uh, on the record about uh, whether they actually were interested in this. And I think the quote was something along the lines of "Pizza's looking pretty good to us." Uh, so I don't know what to make of that. Starbucks, it's pretty small. Panera is pretty small in comparison to Starbucks. Uh, it's about a six billion dollar company. Panera side, Starbucks sixty five something like that, or more, and so fairly easy for them to digest. It would be the part that would make sense is that I continue to think that Starbucks has an opportunity in food that they've never really realized. And you actually eat the food at Starbucks uh, more every now and then. I, I mean, every once in a while, but you, you will go in and, without hesitation, order something to go with your coffee. I which do. they would love to see everybody doing. I, I do, but I don't do it nearly as often as Starbucks would like me to. And that is because there there just aren't a ton of great options there. And we've we've talked about this before. I mentioned this yesterday when we were talking about Kevin Johnson's first day as CEO and saying in in terms of unsolicited advice, don't forget about food because that that is an opportunity that Starbucks has not fully exploited. You mentioned the market cap of Panera being in. It starts with a six. It, I think it's about six point eight billion. Also, starting with a six in terms of its market cap is Staples, and shares of Staples are up about ten percent today because, unlike Panera, which reportedly had someone knocking on their door making an inquiry. Staples went out and told the world, you know what? We're for sale. We're putting ourselves up. Would somebody please buy us? We're exploring a sale because we tried to merge with Office Depot last year and it got shot down because of antitrust concerns. But to me, the surprising part of this whole thing with Staples is that Staples' market cap is within shouting distance of Panera's. It's basically the same. It's like 6.1 billion, 6.2 as opposed to 6.8. I mean, is there, even if you want to take the position as some do that Panera's stock is on the pricey side, is there any doubt in your mind that if you had, let's just call it $8 billion and you could buy one of these two companies, you'd buy Panera and not Staples? Like, that's, that's bizarre to me. Yeah, Staples is at about the same price today that it was back in the in the mid '90s. <laughs> you know, so that's so there's that. That's rough. <laughs> that's that's a long time to wait for a payoff. And uh, one, you know, they're they're in the business of selling commodity material that Amazon is taking away. How whatever percent of their business they used to have, Office Depot. Does the same thing, and I don't know that there's a need for more than one brand that uh, does this sort of supplies on on the physical side uh, with stores that you can walk into. So yes, I think that uh, I would rather, if I had to own one of these things, I would rather own uh, Panera. But if I had to bank on something being acquired, I might be more likely to bank on on Staples because I think they've got fewer options um, for. 
a future that uh, isn't uh, isn't too tough. And, and Panera is doing very well. The market has been uh, rewarding them uh, over the last year. They've they've got their uh, 2.0 system down pretty much, and their their mobile opportunities are a lot better than sort of the mobile opportunities for Staples. For Staples, I mean, yeah. if there's a Staples app that you can go on your phone and and order paper, and then it's there ready for you, uh, I don't know why you would have that app. I know we talk about retail being tough, and we've we've talked more about that. I would say over the last few years, but just to put some numbers around that, nine retailers have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in the first three months of this year. And that is as many retailers as we had filing for bankruptcy protection in all of 2016. And I don't think it's going on a limb to say, we're going to see more in the subsequent nine months of 2017. You know what we need? We what? need somebody to make retail great again. <laughs> Wouldn't that be that wonderful? Be <laughs> Let's move on to International Speedway. Shares up 3.5% and hitting their highest point since 2008. To help me understand why, the, the first quarter results seemed mixed. Uh, there are some encouraging signs in terms of uh, the audience for, for NASCAR events and, and that sort of thing. But this this wasn't this wasn't one of those quarters that, on the surface, you would look at and go, "Oh yeah, I bet the stock's going to hit an all-time high today." And it's not shooting to the moon; it's up three and a half percent, but still, it's you know, it, it's highest point in almost a decade. That's you know, you got to be happy if you're a shareholder. Wow, that sounds like another bad decade. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we just talked about Staples and International Speedway, a once uh, rewarding stock to own when NASCAR was. Uh, on the ascendancy, I guess, uh, as compared to now, where it's it's more f- flatlined, um, and NASCAR has so International Speedway owns a number of the um, the racetracks and manages them, and so NASCAR runs the races there, and you really can't expand much. I mean, they're they're the race the number of races that there are going to be um, are already there, and so they've got locked down. These annual events are not going anywhere. They have benefited a little bit from the new TV contract, uh, but the the growth of the NASCAR audience has really you know taken a pause. And I don't I don't follow NASCAR well enough to tell you why that is and why it grew to the um, popularity that it did. Um, but it's it's not. It's not growing at the moment, and so International Speedway may be, you know, closing in or may have hit a, a 52-week high today, and and that's pretty good compared to, you know, some of the years that have preceded it. But it's it's really a very very pretty. It's much more worthwhile thinking of it as a very stable business um, with very little growth potential. So, in terms of the audience, that was one of the bright spots. That management was highlighting in this latest quarter that their the their younger viewers and attendees at events the eighteen to thirty four year old that's on the rise and partial or total credit is being given to a partnership with Monster Energy so that's helping to bring in some younger people so so that helps 
I don't know if this is still the case. I remember, I want to say this was maybe four or five years ago. Uh, Rich Griefner, one of our colleagues, doing a presentation at a Motley Fool event about International Speedway. And my memory is that the inside ownership of this company is massive. That the, that there's like a family or yeah, a couple the- of families that that really control that. That when you're thinking about buying shares of International Speedway, one thing that you have to know going in is that there is a family interest that really controls this business. Yeah, the Prince family, I believe, uh, are the ones that that own the business and or seventy percent uh, of the business. And so, the concern has always been uh, that they'll help themselves out first, and uh, you know that's. If you had that concern a while ago, then you stayed out of the stock, and over the last 15 years, um, you've lost money owning this stock, and the market's up, you know, some percent over uh, annually over those 15 years. So you've really waited a long time. Um, I don't think things are massively getting better. There was a, a point at which it appeared that maybe that just the magnetism um, of the uh, popularity of Danica Patrick moving from IndyCar to NASCAR was going to benefit uh, all of NASCAR and, and bring more of an audience in, and that if she started winning races, that would be that would be a thing, um, which hasn't really materialized. Uh, she's done very well for herself, but it hasn't really expanded NASCAR's audience the way, you know. The TV contracts uh, thought maybe would be the case. So there is a better contract um, that uh, NASCAR has uh, went into effect. I don't know a year or two ago. Uh, I think I think they're getting like forty five percent more over the life of the contract than had previously been the case. But it's not showing up in the numbers of um, International Speedway. All right, before we get to our next story, I've got to say thanks to Audible for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original shows, news, comedy, and more. They're great to listen to when you're driving, when you're stuck in traffic, if you're working out or you're doing stuff around the house or you're running errands, doing whatever. For our dozens of listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30 day free trial. And if you want to listen to it, uh, Audible almost certainly has it. Just go to audible.com slash fool and you can browse their unmatched selection of audio content. Download a free title and start listening. It's that easy. If you've listened to Motley Fool Money over the years, some of the guests that we've had on that show, Nate Silver, Charles Duhigg, their books are available on Audible, The Signal and the Noise, The Power of Habit. Um, A book that, uh, and I haven't interviewed this guy yet, but he is on my list. It would be wonderful to get him someday for some reason, Bob Odenkirk, if you're a fan of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, which is about to return to AMC. Later this month, uh, he's got a book that I enjoyed reading and very much enjoyed listening to as well, called A Load of Hooey. Highly recommend Bob Odenkirk, A Load of Hooey. Anyway, get a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial at audible.com slash fool. That's audible.com slash fool. We have to talk about Oath. What is Before o- we do that, can I just correct myself? It's not the Prince family; it's the France family. I'm just revealing how little I follow NASCAR to have made a mistake that fundamental. Real time corrections. That's what you get on this show. Actually, no. Can we just edit the whole thing out? Nobody cares. <laughs> no, I just you don't want you don't want the emails from people like how stupid are you people? The Prince family, you know. 
I hope we get at least one email from someone who started listening, got so furious that you botched the name of the family that they stopped listening, they didn't hear the correction, and they fired off the email. And no, we're not going to edit, because that's more work for Dan Boyd. I don't want to do that. What would be cool is if Prince, who recently left us, if he was the one that founded and ran NASCAR. That would be a party. That would be a, everything with Prince was a party. There's, there's a movie idea for you right there. You can shop that. It's a sitcom. It's a sitcom. For some reason, Prince inherits you know NASCAR and starts running it. Okay, it's a sitcom that's set before 2016, though, right? It's a Prince-like character. Okay. Uh, let's move on to Oath uh, because we. I mean, as soon as I saw this story, I thought, oh, we're definitely talking about this. What is Oath? You may ask. Well, Oath. Some geniuses at Verizon came up with Oath. Oath is the umbrella under which a bunch of brands that Verizon owns, including AOL and Yahoo, uh, they're going to exist under Oath. And I'll just read directly from the New York Times story. The brand will apply to the digital media division of Verizon after it buys Yahoo's internet assets a deal that is expected to close by the end of June. But do not count the legacy brands out just yet. Yahoo, AOL, and the Huffington Post will continue to exist and operate with their own names under the Oath umbrella. Verizon has said that much of Yahoo's value lies in its deep relationship with customers and services like Yahoo Finance and Yahoo Sports engender deep loyalty among users. But Oath will be a way for Verizon to present its family of digital content services to advertisers and other partners as a single entity. Okay, that's fine. Why do, you, why, why do you need to do this? This seems like a self-inflicted wound. I'm not saying it's as bad as Trunk, because I don't know that anything is as bad a name as Trunk. Even Quickster. The name Quickster wasn't as bad as the idea behind Quickster. But Oath, what, what are they doing? Like, this seems like busy work for right. white-collar executives. All right, improve on it. Since you're mocking it, just stick with Verizon. Verizon's a known name. Why, like, why do you need to? This this really seems like if I'm a Verizon shareholder, one of my takeaways from this story is there are too many people working at Verizon. If they need to come up with something like this, you can you can lose some employees if you're spending time, money, and resources on coming up with a logo and a name as uninspiring as Oath. All right, let me let me. Play devil's advocate here, please do. You've got these two things, legacy things, AOL and Yahoo, and you're gonna run them all in one big unit now, right? Yes. Uh, you're gonna have people that uh, whose loyalties from from their, you know, their their histories with the company go to AOL, go to Yahoo. Uh, you you need to bring it all under one umbrella and have one name for it, and you can fold it all under AOL or you could fold it all under Yahoo. Uh, and either way, you're going to offend some of your some of your people. Or you could you could say there's, it's a marriage of equals. Uh, it's all going to be one big happy family. They're all going to be part of the same thing. Don't you know? Think in terms of your AOL past, your Yahoo past. Uh, it's it's all going to be part of this exciting new oath. And you can just you can feel the energy from that, can't you? No, it's no. an oath. <laughs> I've, it's I, like uh, they're like ring bearers, right? They're, this is like the beginning of Lord of the Rings. That's what I'm feeling. 
Uh, someone on Twitter wrote, Oath sounds like the name of a band that would be opening for Black Sabbath at the Civic Center. No, they're hobbits, they're elves. <laughs> it's the Hobbits and Elves show. Oath. That's what I'm getting. Uh, again, it just seems like... How are you going to take on Sauron without, you know, a loyalty oath to the, the ring bearer? This you is, haven't thought through this at all. This is something we'll have to talk through uh, once we leave the studio. But I've I've never actually seen any of those Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> so you've got a kind of a stance against them. Uh, I don't have a stance against a them. Lifetime it, hatred of hobbits and other large-footed peoples. No, it's just that it, I feel like if I were to watch one, I would need to watch all of them, and that's a commitment of like I don't know, seventeen hours or something like that. However long those. You movies don't have are. to watch the Hobbit movies. Okay. Just the Lord of the Rings movies. Right, but aren't they together like 17 hours or uh, 93 like hours? Nine-ish. Nine-ish. I feel like I could be binge- you've, you've spent nine hours on less worthwhile things. Oh, that's not up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> you want to read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues, go to fullfunds.com. We get, you know, Tuesday's a busy day. we got to vacate the studio. we got someone coming in. Otherwise, we talk more about Lord of the Rings and baseball, because I know you had some baseball I stuff. I do have some baseball stories. Well, unfortunately, we'll have to save that for another time. <laughs> this is where the roll credits music starts from Dan Boyd. Thanks for Can being we here. we have some Lord of the Rings music today, maybe? No, I don't think so. I don't think no, so. No, you're not going with that? Are there Hobbit bands? There's some stuff from Two Towers that's pretty inspiring. Really? Yeah, yeah it'll, you know help, what? it'll help you run an internet company. Thanks for being here. Thank you. You can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to foolfunds.com. That's going to do it for this episode of Market Foolery. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. The show is mixed by DJ Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.